dismissed, uh, going back to the back there. Thank you so much for faithfulness and teaching them there. Uh, we're in Genesis chapter 1. We uh, are talking this year about being found faithful, and that's our theme, and uh, reminding uh, the, the verse that, that we are using as our theme verse, more where it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so for uh, last week, we started talking about stewards, and for the coming weeks, we're going to talk about different areas in our life that we are called to steward. If you remember, a steward does not own anything. A steward is someone who manages the affairs of another. And so that's uh, the idea we have with uh, areas that God blesses us with. Uh, today, we're going to be specifically talking about uh, stewarding life uh, and uh, being a steward in life. I want to talk today about managing and balancing the gifts that God gives us and uh, really reminding just all of us, because we need this reminder, that God gives us life and it is not ours to hold on to because we really can't. We can't decide how long we live. We can't decide uh, whether or not that we'll be alive tomorrow. You re and we hope so. I, we, I certainly plan on it. But our life is being held in God's hand. What we do with it in the meantime is, is basically stewarding it because it doesn't belong to us. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes today. Uh, look at verses uh, 26 and 28 of Genesis chapter 1. Of course, Genesis 1 is a story about creation. I believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so uh, that is not something that I, uh, I, I don't believe the Bible and science disagree. I believe the Bible and real science do, do agree. Uh, and uh, the Bible talks very clearly about that. Look at with me at verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every cre creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them. God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth on the earth. Father, today I pray that you'd help us as we look at this idea of stewarding our life and we may be found faithful. That's our goal. So help us, Lord, and show us in several ways or at least one way in which each one of us individually can do better in this area. Father, we thank you for those that are out. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Walk in any bookstore today and you'll find dozens of books on life management. I mean, you'll find books about uh, budgeting. You'll find books about organizing and scheduling and, and prioritizing and setting goals. The list could go on. Uh, lots of things, self-help type uh, issue. You could look at uh, these books and they'll reveal a common theme. They'll teach you to be successful. Uh, they'll talk to you about living out your dreams. Uh, they'll have, talk about dreaming big and then manage you to become the best you that you can be. They'll help you to reach the full potential of leadership and growth in your life. And I don't have anything against those books. In fact, I read, uh, try to read a leadership book uh, at least 
once a month, if not that, at least once a quarter, but I am constantly reading books on leadership, and they are a help, but stewarding life is a little bit of a different concept. Uh, Rather than focusing on self-fulfillment or our personal legacy, it's understanding that life is a gift from God, and He can take it any time. Now, this isn't something we like to think about particularly, but He's entrusted us with life, and He wants us to steward that for Him. Every resource that we have comes from God. Our time, our finances, uh, our relationships, our health especially. This comes from God. Now, we think we're in control. We're really not in control. Uh, and I'll give some examples as we go throughout here. But uh, we, we, uh, I'm grateful for my health today. I'm grateful for my wife's health, my children's health. I have no idea how my children can have health, as many potato chips as they eat, but uh, I'm glad that they have it anyway. Uh, but I also understand that this is not really totally in our hands. We can eat healthy, we can do good, we can exercise, we can do those types of things, but uh, I don't know how many, ti- how many times I hear and even la- just recently heard about a guy my age and he's healthy and he, he lived a healthy life, he didn't drink, smoke, he didn't do any of those things, he, he, uh, he, he fell dead while he was jogging, he had a heart attack and died at a young age and uh, didn't understand what caused it, but the truth of the matter is that we are not in control of our life. We, God's in control of our life. Now, while we have it, we need to steward it correctly. Understand that He can take our life. He's entrusted it to us, though. And so how we use the resources that God gives us are going to determine our spiritual success. Now, there's only three different ways, really, that we can, uh, we can uh, handle the resources or the life or the, uh, the things that God gives us uh, in our life. And those are we can either squander it, we can spend it, or we can steward it. Let's look at it, all three of them. First of all, squandering it. We can squander God's resources when we waste them in purposeless living. Now, this is rampant today in our society. People have no concept today that as they live their life that there is a divine purpose for their life. And so because they don't accept that, they just kind of coast through. How many of us know people that are just coasting through life? I mean, they're not accomplishing anything. They're not realizing anything. They're just kind of uh, floating through life. Now, we this comes from not valuing what we should value in our lives today. I heard a story about a thieves that broke into a jewelry store. And the odd thing was they didn't steal anything while they're in the jewelry store. Rather, they switched all kinds of price tags from uh, this to that, and they just tra- changed all the price tags. And for several days, until it was discovered, the jewelry store was selling incredibly expensive jewelry for just a couple of bucks, and then people were spending massive amounts of money for just tin junk. You know what Satan's done in our world today? He's rearranged the price tags. We have we are putting our, our value on things that aren't worth anything. And we're not valuing the things that are very valuable. And we value the wrong things. And so some squander their life. Uh, it can be in riotous living with drugs, alcohol, and all those things. Or others, maybe more like uh, those that are in here today, waste the resources of their life by simply not des- living life as it was designed to be lived. This includes those that the world would call 
very successful. But if you invest your resources into selfish pursuits, you'll find in the end an empty life. Oh, let's not be caught up in, we talked in Sunday school of Samson, a man that spent his whole life just, uh, just following after his flesh and what satisfied him, and it led to a terrible end. Consider today that we have the opportunity to live successfully with a divine purpose. If we invest our lives in anything else, it's a waste if we don't fulfill our purpose. Where do our priorities lie in our life? I read another story of a young man that was in a terrible car accident. And uh, when the police showed up on the, on the scene, they found him beside his car, and he was just dazed, and he was mumbling, oh, he said, my BMW, my beautiful BMW. It was all mangled. And the officer said, man, are you crazy? Look at your arm. Your arm's almost uh, torn off. And he looks down at what's left of his arm, and he says, oh, my Rolex, my Rolex. We put, what are our priorities today? Now, it's a funny story, but we do that, don't we? We prioritize all the wrong things. Where are your priorities today? Now, on the opposite end of the squanders are the spenders. We can also spend the resources God gives us. You see, uh, those who spend God's resources do so without investing them. Now, God, we know, wants us to multiply the resources he gives us. Remember the story of the talents? He gave one person uh, ten, he gave another five, he gave another one, or five, three, and one. He gave different amounts of talents to there. And so one went and he doubled his talents. The next one went and he doubled his talents. The last guy went and dug a hole in the earth and put his talent in the earth and hid it. Talent, by the way, was a measure of money back in Bible times. And so uh, hid it until the master came back. Uh, the first one had doubled it. The second one had doubled it. The third one still had his talent but didn't do anything with it. And he was called a wicked evil servant because he didn't do anything with what the master gave him God's not so much interested in your talents and your gifts as he is to what you'll do with them what are you going to do with them how are you investing them so often we drive ourselves to serve do the right thing do the work of God we try to convince ourselves we're spiritual superheroes but the truth is if we just spend and spend and spend without being replenished then we'll eventually come up empty God gave our life, uh, he, he created our life to function and then to uh, function within the natural rhythms of work and rest. He, hey, God even rested on the seventh day when he created earth. Uh, he, he uh, or created the universe. He, he rested at the end of that time, not because he needed rest. God is God, but he gave us an example. Uh, being found faithful does not always mean being found busy. Sometimes we need to take a, a pause and seek God's replenishment. Not only does God create life, but as we will see, he sustains it as well. Be careful as we spend and spend and spend and don't replenish our supply. And then there's stewarding. This would be the best option. Stewarding life means that I recognize that life itself is a gift from God and I purpose to use it for his glory. I recognize that God gives me resources to carry this out in my life. Uh, God's attached to your life. This is an amazing thought uh, that I have to remind myself of all the time. God's attached to your life a divine purpose. Did you know that? Now listen, this is one reason I have such a, 
I think it's so tragic what we teach our young people through public school today that men came from monkeys, that we're some kind of cosmic accident, we're just a, a burp in eternity. No, you are created by God with a purpose. God has a plan for your life. Uh, he created you, and you are special. Uh, you have a unique purpose. Billy Sunday said, more men fail through a lack of purpose than a lack of talent. A lot of talented people who don't recognize their purpose. Now, stewarding life is not about, uh, it's not about learning to tap into our pools of creativity or systems that we have or learning all those things. It's about God's principles about how he wants us to handle the resources that he has given us. A steward is one who invests wisely the resources of his master. God, I'll just give you some examples. God gives you children. How are you going to handle what God gives you? God gives you uh, finances or, or a, a gift, a talent that brings you great finances. How are you going to uh, what are you going to do with what God blesses you with? Uh, simply saying, God gives, what do we do with it? Uh, now, starting at the beginning in the passage that we read here, it helps us if we understand the origin of life uh, to understand stewardship. Before we're going to steward the resources that God gives us, it helps us to grasp what life is all about and answer that question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? That helps us to understand that. First, let's look at our eternal God. We understand the beginning of life. It tells us about God. We learn that God is eternal, the source of all life. Uh, Psalm 36, 9, For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. God is self-existent. No man made or created God. Uh, he is eternal. Uh, he is eternal life. He alone has the power to create and give life. In Exodus three fourteen, And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. I love that uh, I am. He is what? Yes, I am. <laughs> he is. Uh, he is everything that we need. He is all that uh, supplies and all that sustains. He is. In our text that we read, we see a clear reference to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When he says, Let us, that's plural, Make man in our image, that's singular. God created Adam to be like God, a sinless with three parts, body, soul, and spirit. If you have a dog, I love dogs, and they're great animals, but they don't have a soul. If you have a cat, it doesn't have soul or spirit. You know, I don't like cats so much, but uh, but the, that's the difference between us and animals. All right, you have a... We have a soul. They do not. We have body, soul, and spirit. Now, can you imagine seeing the creation of man? I hope when we get to heaven, they have reruns, don't you? We can see it happening. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, I'm sure you've read that passage before, but just pause and think about that incredible moment when God crafted the masterpiece of human life. God literally formed Adam from the dust and then breathes his breath of life into him. Human life. Human life is God's premier creation. Think about that the next time you look in the mirror and you're disappointed. <laughs> you're God's premier cre creation. If you read the 
creation story. This is an interesting little tidbit. Uh, you'll see God created the sun, moon, and stars, and it was good. He created the land animals, and it was good. Every day, at the end of the day, he saw that it was good. But when he created man, he said it was very good. We're the pinnacle of his creation. What a blessing that is. Both secular science and the scriptures state that man was formed from dust. The Big Bang Theory holds that the planet Earth and all its life forms developed from stardust. The biblical account states that man was formed by God from the dust of the earth. Do you know the 59 elements in the human body are all found in the earth's crust? Science supports this. Again, amazingly, uh, what the Bible says perfectly matches the scientific composition of the human body. Then the Bible says God created Eve. Now, I'll leave you to decide, but here's some uh, list of top reasons Eve was created. There's more, but I just marked down a few. God worried that Adam would become lost in the garden because he would not ask for directions, and so he created Eve. God knew Adam would never go out and buy himself a new fig leaf when his wore out. God knew if the world was to be populated, men would never be able to handle childbearing. I don't know about that. but Adam needed someone to blame his troubles on. When God, first, uh, when God finished the creation of Adam, he stepped back, he took a look, and he said, I can do better than that. I don't know about that either. At any rate, I'm glad God created Eve, created women, amen. My wife told me I'm glad, and so I am. I'm glad. But we better understand the sanctity of life and how important it is until we understand the value of the gift of life, we're prone to squander it. So that's why we waste it if we don't see the value of it. Years ago, I had a, I have a, all it through, through my life as a teenager, I collected coins and I would collect uh, just different old coins and wheat pennies and all those different things. And, and uh, I, I, it was a big deal to me. I just, I collected, collected over probably about 10, 15 years. And then I got married and and I just kind of stuck it in the back. And once in a while, I'd come across a rare, rare buffalo nickel or something. I'd throw it in that collection. And then uh, it was in a box kind of in the back of my desk at home. Well, fast forward a few years. My kids are young. And we're having a, we're having a drive at church for a bus, uh, the bus ministry. And, and to do that, we have a, one of those big water jugs in the front of the church. And it had, the, you know, that has a small neck, just a regular, like a Culligan water jug. And it had on the side bus ministry, and at the, in, in the morning service, we would always have an opportunity. We'd have the offering, and then we'd have an opportunity for kids to run up and put money into the, into the bus jar. And so, you know, it's a fun thing for them to do, and they'd go out and, you know, con grandparents and parents to give them change and money, and they'd put it in the bus jar. Well, the, the coins really started stacking up, and, and uh, so pastor asked me uh, at some point, says, why don't you help me, and we'll roll these coins, and and uh, that way we can take it to the bank and cash in and all that. So we started rolling the coins, and I came across a wheat penny. I came across a buffalo nickel. I came across another. I found all these rare coins in this. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be uh, sacrilegious or anything, but I know this. this is God's money given to the offering, but could I buy these coins? And my pastor said, sure, you're, they're just going to go to the, the bank anyway. And uh, so I looked through, and I found uh, as many as I could, and uh, then I took them home and opened my box to put them in there. My box was almost empty. My daughters had found the coins and thought, hey, bus jar. 
And so they'd take a few of these coins every week and throw them in the bus jar. This was like the fourth time we'd cash that thing in. Tons of my coins I had, I had spent years collecting are off in some bank somewhere now. Why? Because somebody didn't understand the value. They just saw coins and coins were coins and they didn't understand that this is, there's, there's a little bit more value. This is special. If we don't recognize the value of something, we're going to waste it. And that's what people do with their life. Listen, if we spend decades and generations teaching children that there's nothing, they're, they're, not, they're just an accident, they're a cosmic accident, they come from monkeys, they were a, a blob and they just evolved and they're just a, they're, there's no purpose to them existing, they're just another animal. We teach them that for years and then we're surprised when they waste it, when they waste their life. Yeah, it's not valuable. Uh, life is valuable because it was provided by God. Life is valuable because it's sacred. In fact, your life was purposely created by God and you were specifically planned even before you were born. He had a purpose for you. Even within the womb, life is significant to God. The Bible makes this clear in several passages. God told Jeremiah that he knew him and his life's purpose before he was born. In Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. When the angel prophesied Zacharias at the birth of John the Baptist, he said in Luke 1.15, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Do you remember when Mary came to visit her sister Elizabeth? Elizabeth was six months pregnant, and Mary said, hey, and she told her the story about her uh, being impregnated by the Holy Spirit himself, and she is going to bear the Savior. You know what John the Baptist inside the womb of Mary did? He flipped, the Bible says. He kicked. He, she felt him move because he was already excited about what he, I guess, heard through the tummy. I don't know, but he was filled from the Spirit even from his mother's womb. The psalmist sang of God's detailed interest in the prenatal care of human life in Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For thou hast possessed my reins and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Hey, life begins at conception. Richard Dawkins is wrong when he says a fetus is less human than an adult pig. He's wrong. The Bible is clear that life begins at conception. Life is sanctified and recognized uh, by God. Life is a valuable possession and one that we ought to learn to steward wisely. Life is valuable because it was provided by God, also because it's protected by God. God knew Jeremiah before he formed him, while Jeremiah was in the womb. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. David uh, praised God for forming him and knowing him in the womb. I don't want to get political, but it bears repeating sometimes that, uh, that uh, abortion is a plague on our land. Over, there's an average of 1.2 million abortions performed every year in the United States. Uh, over 58 million abortions have been performed since Roe v. Wade. Now, thank God they're going down every year. In fact, last year it was only 600 and some thousand. No, I say only. One baby is too much, amen? But uh, thank God that it is going down uh, in, in our society. Maybe people are recognizing the tragedy of it. But life is a valuable possession. One we ought to learn to steward wisely. <coughs> God is very clear 
that we are not free to end our own lives or anyone else's life. Thou shalt not kill, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Uh, and so he created our life. He puts a high value on our life. He sustains it and he uh, protects it. He sanctifies it. That is why he's so adamant that we value life as well. We ought to put a high value on our life. We are valuable to God. We are his precious creation. Every single day that we're given is another day of life that we ought to steward for him. How are you stewarding your life for him? We see the sovereignty of God over life. We know that God creates life, but uh, we go a step further and realize only God creates life. He is in control complete control of this. Uh, some examples of this is Sarah in the Bible. Remember, she was too old and she was barren, could not have children. And God gave her a child, Isaac, in Genesis chapter 18. Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, she was barren and could not have a child. And God gave her a child, named it Samuel. Uh, she named it Samuel. Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1 was old, uh, too old to have children and barren, and God gave her a son. These women experienced the reality that only a, God, a sovereign God is in control. He is the one who opens and closes the womb. In the blessing of life, we see that God creates and sustains. Life is God's creative masterpiece. He alone has the power to sustain it. I mentioned it earlier, but can I remind you again, uh, we're really not in control of life. We think we are, but then sickness comes, disease comes, and we're really not in control of our own life. How many times have we heard of someone who passed away unexpectedly, and uh, we, we know what we, it's hard to even realize why, and then another person abuses their body with alcohol and tobacco for 90 years and lives uh, a ripe old age. And we scratch our heads sometimes, but the truth of the matter is, I'm not saying we oughtn't live healthy. We ought to live healthy. We ought to do what we can. That's part of stewarding our life that God gives us. But we better not ever think that we're above death or we're, beyond, we're in control in that way. Our life can end just like that. I'm so encouraging, aren't I, when you come to church on Sunday morning? But when we live for our own purposes... It's foolish, it's pointless when we live for selfish pursuits. We will end our lives, oh, we don't want to do this, but we can end our lives never, ever accomplishing that for which we were created. How about you? Are you living the life that you were created for? Man, there's nothing greater than that in the entire world, living the, your purpose uh, our life and our death often hangs on the obedience or disobedience to God. In fact, the determining principle of life is obedience to God. As Moses prepared for death, he uh, reminded the Israelites of this. He told them uh, they had a choice to do right and a choice to do wrong. In Deuteronomy 30, 15, See, I have set before thee this daily life and good death and evil. Hey, obedience to God is always a choice, but it is a choice that determines the quality of our lives. How are you doing with your life? Are you stewarding it? Are you wasting it? Are you squandering it? What's the purpose of our lives? Well, God created us uh, to bring him glory, to glorify him. And by the way, in that is the best life we can imagine too. We will be Fulfilled. Listen, the best life in the world is living as a child of God. 
free from the power of sin and free from addiction and free from all those things that people uh, in the world struggle with. Now, it doesn't mean we don't aren't bothered by it or we don't ever have to deal with it, but uh, we have a greater purpose in life. Why is it that uh, why is it that somebody like Robin Williams would uh, have a, a successful life and be adored by millions and blow his own brains out? Why? I mean, it, it baffles me, and yet it doesn't. Because if we live a life going after selfish pursuits, we're going to end up empty. And it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. C.T. Studd said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else is a waste. The sovereignty of God is seen in the giving of life and the blessing of life and then in the conclusion of life. All of our lives will one day end. There's that encouragement again. All of our lives will one day end. That's because of sin. It was that way in Noah's day. The Bible says in Genesis 6, 17, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. The reason was because of the gross sin of mankind. In fact, sin is the reason for all death. I got the same questions everybody else has when you see my, my brother had a, uh, they, they, they had a little baby, and on the day the baby was born, he died. I mean, there's a question that all of us have, and uh, we wonder why God allows those types of things, and we uh, sometimes struggle with our faith even through those type of things. But uh, the truth of the matter is that all of the horrible things that happened in the world today and death and sickness and disease, all that is because of sin. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, For as by one man sin entered into the world, and so death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death. So death and sickness and disease, all those things come uh, because of sin. One thing we have to recognize is that all of these things are in God's control. Man's life, our life, your life, my life, it is on loan from God. What are we doing to steward it? That's why it's so important for us to recognize God has a purpose for me. And you'll never, by the way, you know, we think that, you mean I have to give my life to God and live miserably? You know, you, you, will, you couldn't write a better life for yourself. Write a script to your own. You could not write a better script than what God's got in mind for you. Oh, man, I'm telling you. It's the greatest thing in the world is to live right in the middle of God's will. So if God gives life, if he determines the length of that life, we need to learn to steward our lives according to his direction. Listen, life has a million variables, and many of them are out of our control. Now, we can do what we can to help it, but, uh, you know, we, we hear things like everybody has cancer in it. You know, we all have cancer cells, and it just depends on what, uh, how, how they react and, and all those things. And we, really, life is delicate. Life is very delicate. We just had, I think it was two, one in Watertown, one here in Brookings, uh, the last snowstorm that we had, I think two lives were lost. They didn't, they didn't leave the house that morning thinking this was their last day. Life is delicate. We better steward what we have uh, for God. We have the promise of eternal life. We've been talking about stewarding our earthly lives. What about your eternal life? After this life, you're going to enter into eternity. There is no place in the Bible that talks about 
uh, reincarnation, anything like that. That is a man-made idea. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about a, a middle place or a, a temporary holding place. Uh, when you die, the Bible talks about uh, two places, heaven or hell. That is going to be our destination. This life, as valuable as it is, as important as it is, is nothing compared to eternity. I mean, it's just a flash. It's just a blink. The Bible calls it a vapor. You have a boiling pot of water on the stove. He says, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. So short. And then there is eternity. Even before your birth, God specifically designed you with a purpose uh, for your life. And certainly one of those things and one of his desires, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We're created with the same purpose to glorify God. Dr. Howard Hendricks said, Sometimes we think we're in the land of the living on our way to the dying, or the land of the dying. But the truth is we're in the land of the dying onto the land of, on, on our way to the land of the living. If you're saved, if you're a Christian, even as your fingerprints are distinct from every other person in the world, so your personal set of opportunities and gifts are unique to you as well. Think about that. God made you for your purpose. And he made you different than anybody in the world. Isn't that something? All the people that are alive in the world today, just under 8 billion. Maybe it's reached 8 billion since we started church. But uh, all the people in the world. And he made you special. That's a blessing. He made you a certain way. And nobody in the world is as specifically crafted to create, uh, to accomplish your purpose than you are. He made you just right for that purpose. Remember Jeremiah? God had a unique plan for him. Jeremiah 1.5. God does not design us to live cookie-cutter lives. We're not going to all look the same and act the same. We're not all going to have the same gifts. We have different uh, sets of gifts and different sets of talents uh, to fulfill our purpose. Now, a wise steward looks beyond today to the outcomes of tomorrow. Here's a, uh, this, is, this is really simple. I don't mean to insult anybody's intelligence, but uh, the direction that you walk determines the destination in which you end up. Does that make sense? If you're walking in this direction, you're probably going to end up somewhere over there. And in our life, it's the same way. The choices you make today, they determine your future. Uh, when an investor opens a port port portfolio, uh, he would like to have a planned and somewhat predicted outcome. No one wants to funnel money into a non-defined investment. And uh, as individuals, we handle our resources and we should do so with the end goal in mind. We are to wisely steward our lives and Look far beyond today. In other words, what I'm saying is live with eternal mindset, not temporal thinking. And so often in our lives, we sacrifice the eternal for the temporary. What do you want the end of your life to look like? That's really the question. You stand before God, and you're going to have to give an account, just like the person did with the talents. One day we're all going to stand before God. We all want to hear what the Bible says in Matthew 25, 21. Well, done thou good and faithful servant thou hast been faithful over a few things I will make thee ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of the Lord we'd like to hear that is that what you're going toward 
with the current actions and choices you're making? Are you stewarding life well? Those words will not be heard unless we steward our lives well today. Determine tonight, uh, today, determine in your heart and life that you're going to invest your resources in his purpose for you. It's the best life you can imagine is giving it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll, uh, bring, he brings what the world so desperately craves. He brings us he brings us fulfillment. He brings us peace. He brings us joy. He gives us all these things that a world is stumbling around, blindly seeking and looking for, and they go after thinking maybe that if they get it in money or uh, in fame or in all those things, that uh, their fortune, that they'll finally be happy. And they find out it's empty. A self-lived life is always empty. A well-stewarded life is more rewarding than you can ever even imagine. How are you doing today as a steward? God's given you life. God's given you resources. He's given you talents. How are you stewarding them? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Like for you.